Educating, empowering, and inspiring you to live healthier is our mission. So let's begin. Hey, health warriors. This is episode number 82 of the Life, Strength, and Health podcast. I'm Kim and I'm joined with Jamal. Greetings, everyone. And uh, Peace and blessings. Yes. And thank you for joining us this week. In this week's episode, this is the final part of a three-part series um, of an interview we did with Lisa Hendrickson Jack. And it was all on the fertility awareness method. And uh, the interview was packed with so much information that we just released it over three episodes because there was so much information that Lisa shared, so much powerful information. And that's why we, uh, you know, spread it out over three episodes. And this is part three of that interview. Yeah, so far we're getting some really good feedback. People are really enjoying it. We enjoy doing it. Um, really good interview. So you're going to love part three. If you didn't get a chance to check out part two, you definitely want to go back and check those out first. Yes, and that was episode number 80 and 81. Uh, so if you haven't done so already, make sure you check them out and you can access those episodes at lifestrengthandhealth.com forward slash eight zero and also slash eight one. But before we dive into the final part of the interview, uh, let's talk about this week's organic food for thought. And this week's organic food for thought is all on organic fruits and vegetables. Yes, we always get a lot of questions when it comes to organic foods. And one of the main complaints that we get is the price, like organic food versus conventional food. And although uh, prices are getting better, depending on what uh, season it is, uh, they still can be pricey. So we wanted to go through uh, some foods that you absolutely need to get organic, but there's also some foods that the pesticides are really low, they're not treated, and there's not a big difference. So you don't have to get them organic. The number one thing that you absolutely should get organic are apples. Apples are very watery and they are full of uh, toxins that they use as far as pesticides and herbicides. So you definitely want to avoid uh, non-organic apples you know that they're waxed uh, and that's all about appearance. So you definitely want to avoid apples. Uh, the number two thing is celery. Celery is another very watery vegetable. So it pulls up uh, those pesticides that are in the soil and highly toxic. So you definitely uh, want to avoid um, conventional celery, you always want to make sure that you're getting organic celery. And the third thing is strawberries, another very uh, watery fruit full of uh, pesticides, the conventional ones. So the top three that should always be organic are apples, celery, and strawberries. And then when it comes to food that uh, is uh, very uh, little to no pesticides that are very close to their organic uh, counterparts are onions. And then the next thing is pineapples, which is great because um, I love pineapples <laughs> and it's hard to find organic pineapples. Like we luck up and find one every now and then. And, right. and when I tell you it's like quadruple the price, I'm... <laughs> 
I am not exaggerating. You will easily spend ten, twelve dollars for an organic pineapple, you know. Um, but as they come into season, you can get a, a conventional one for a couple dollars, and uh, it's perfectly safe to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next thing, which is one of my favorite foods, right? Uh, avocado, right? Avocados. The conventional avocados can be pricey depending on the type of year. I mean, honestly, they're pricey all year round at at, at this point. Um, but you don't have to uh, rush to get um, organic um, avocado. Totally safe, totally fine to get conventional, which is definitely what what we do most of the time. Uh, and and it, it tastes just as good as well. So those are the top three that you should always. Uh, get organic as well as the top three that they don't necessarily have to be organic. Right. So now let's segue into this week's episode, which is the conclusion of our interview with Lisa Hendricks and Jack, all on discussing the fertility awareness method. And I just want to give you a heads up towards the latter part of this interview. Uh, we had a little audio complication, um, as we mentioned in episode one of the beginning part of the interview. Um, Lisa is from Toronto and just with technology, sometimes things don't work out as you plan. So I would say like the last minute or maybe 30 seconds, the audio gets a little choppy, but 98% of this interview is crystal clear. But I just wanted to give you a heads up. So without further ado, here is the conclusion of our interview with Lisa Hendricks and Jack discussing their fertility awareness method. Um, we get a lot of, um, or we're seeing a lot more uh, women that are struggling with uh, infertility. Uh, would you would you say that um, it's less infertility in a lot of cases, and more of them just not understanding, uh, you know, their their cycles and not working with their their cycles properly? As far as like what's going on right now? Well, I think that you know. Infertility is really complicated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't want anyone to, to leave this podcast thinking like, oh, it's just super simple. I just right. have to. Um, infertility is a real significant, um, very complicated issue. And there are so many different factors that play a role. So in our society, of course, because as women, we carry the babies. And so we assume that it's us. You know, male factor for infertility is anywhere from 40 to 50%. <laughs> Yeah, wow. that, yeah, um, really wow. yeah, like there's been a gradual, like it's, it's documented in literature. Um, you can kind of like, there's, it's, it's a, it's a real thing, but there's a lot of population studies and over the years, there's a very distinct difference in a male's uh, sperm count quality. Um, all of those different factors that determine a normal sperm situation. If you were to look 50 to 60 years ago in the literature, if your average man then had way more than twice the sperm quality of the average man now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so to, I don't want to say that, you know, this is the only factor and right. it's magical. And <laughs> so it's not, no, because infer- infertility is complicated. But what I can say is that, yes, there are people out there who, if they were timing sex correctly, they would get pregnant. Like there, there are people I, I, I've worked with, um, I've worked with women in, the, in those situations where, um, so the thing about it is from a, like, okay, so let's say that you're struggling with infertility and you come to me 
and you tell me, Lisa, I've been trying to conceive for two years. And then, of course, I get into them all up in your business. I want to know what's happening in your menstrual cycle charts. I want to know what your cycles are like. And mm-hmm. I also want to know when you're having the sex because that's, I need to know that because that, like, this is what I do. We need to know that we're timing the sex correctly. I have to know that you understand the method and that you know which days are fertile and not. So I get into all of your business. And so then in our, the midst of our conversation, you tell me that your partner travels a lot and that you travel a lot for work as well. And then when we get down to what's been going on in the last year, it turns out that there's only been like one cycle when you were both in the, the city at the right time in your cycle. Mm. So in your mind, I've been trying to conceive for a year or two, but I'm looking at it and say, no, actually only you only tried in October. Wow. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so there is, there is some of that. Definitely. Wow. Yeah. That that's, uh, this is important. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be <laughs> important thing to know. So you really haven't been in this case, you haven't really been trying for, Two years. You've just tried once. Try it once. You've actually been actively <laughs> avoiding pregnancy, but you just didn't know. Like you didn't know you were using the fertility awareness method for birth control. Like you just- And then you end up going down this slippery slope because then you start saying, What's wrong with me? And you know, right. mentally it just yeah. yeah. Well, and if you think about it, like when we started the, our conversation, you know, we were all taught that you can get pregnant every day of your cycle. Now that information is inaccurate mm-hmm. and it's potentially damaging because then as women, like it's damaging for a few reasons. So one reason it's damaging is because um, like, I feel like a lot of women, not all women, but a lot of women would make different choices with regards to their birth control methods. If they knew that there was only about a week out of their cycle that they could conceive. So right. for me, that's definitely true. Now it's not true for everybody, but for me, it's definitely true. I know, Oh wow. There's only a week that I can get pregnant every cycle. Well then why am I taking that drug every day? Right. Right. Now that logic makes sense to me. And there's a certain percentage of women who, for whom that makes sense as well. Um, And so then the other issue is that we're taught basically that um, because we can get fertile every day, we're kind of taught that this fertility thing is a given. Mm. And so I've spoken to a lot of women who went on birth control when they were 20 because they were taught that they get pregnant every time. Um, And now they're 30 (laughs) and it hasn't occurred to them that maybe they're not like, maybe the fertility has changed. Like you're 10 years older now. Right. Right. So the other thing is that it, 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 it does not inform us about how our fertility changes with age. And so there's a very real, I see there to be a very real issue going on. So, um, you know, one of the questions that, that I wanted to explore further was, you know, do does uh, hormonal birth control affect fertility negatively? And so what the, like what I found in the work that I do and in the research that I've done is that the research doesn't support the idea that the pill kind of permanently messes with your fertility. Mm-hmm. The, the research doesn't support that. Um, but what the research does show is that for women who take hormonal birth control, depending on the type, but there's a lot, a lot of different types and a lot of them affect the fertility in different ways. But there is a temporary delay in the return of your normal fertility when you take hormonal birth control. So um, like, for instance, women who take uh, the pill long term, when they come off of it, they it, it, statistically speaking, based on the research, it takes twice as long to conceive. A woman coming off of the depot shot, well, statistically speaking, it's four times as long. Wow. <laughs> Um, the depot shot is in a category of its own, yeah. um, <laughs> but um, but that's something that that women need to know. It's very 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 important, and it's something that we don't know. And then add to that the fact that if you've taken hormonal birth control for ten fifteen years, you're also ten or fifteen years older than you were when you got on it. 
Right. Right. Like we're not taking these things into consideration because we're not taught to. Mm -hmm. And so the way I see it is that when a woman is not informed that there is this, so this temporary delay, what that looks like from my perspective, when I work with women who have just come off of the pill and we're charting their cycle or she's charting her cycles and we're working together, you can see on her chart, the signs of uh, this, this kind of um, like her cycle, her cycles don't fall into the normal parameters. And it typically takes nine to 12 cycles, statistically speaking, before it kind of, it would be indistinguishable. Like mm-hmm. before you would look at a woman who's never been on the birth control and you look at a woman who came off of it, like their cycles won't look about the same for an, like statistically for nine to 12 months. So yeah. there's a very real issue. So then if you follow with that, like what that means for your average woman who's 34 years old and she just went off of the pill today because her and her husband are ready to get pregnant. She may have even gone to her doctor and said like, my husband and I are planning to get pregnant. Should I go off the pill early? To which most doctors say no. Mm. there's no point. And so then she starts trying to get pregnant. And of course she says things like, well, you know, we're just going to start trying and I'm not really, you know, if it happens, it happens. People say stuff like that. But what they mean is that I've been taught my whole life that I'm going to get pregnant the minute I have sex. And so I might be playing it cool, but if I'm not pregnant within two months, I'm going to lose my, right. <laughs> that's what it means. Like, right. and so, cause you see that. And so then, okay, it's January, you know, I come off the pill. Now it's February. Now it's March. I'm freaking out. I'm already going to my fertility specialist and now it's like April. Statistically speaking, um, there's one study that was done and it was like women who had not been on any hormones, women who had been on um, the pill and then it compared like the, the shot to a few different types of hormonal birth control. So the women who didn't take, like they were using condoms or the cervical cap. So they weren't using any hormones. On average, it took them four months. So we're talking just normal people. It takes an average of four months. Like I shouldn't say normal, but like right. non, not, not, not on the hormones. Right. The women yes. who came off the pill, it was an average of eight months. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, but the thing is that like, if you know that <laughs> ahead yes. of time, right. like you could just, that changes like, things. yeah. Like, so if you yeah. and your partner know that you're planning to have kids next year, you could just come off of it this year. Right. Right. And then you that don't have a stress. Sense. So, so are you saying that with Depo, then it, it could easily take over a year? It was an average of 16 months. Wow. Yeah. So it was, a, it's a whole different thing. It's, wow. a, it's a whole different situation. Yeah. It, it, it's known to suppress. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a whole different kettle of fish. So, I mean, I would just say do yes. the research. Well, you had a powerful, powerful uh, episode on Depo. I'm going to link that in the show notes pages. You know, I took it. Oh, gosh like 15 years ago, I took it for two months and I just came into consciousness of like being connected with my body and my health. So I got off of it, but it took like six months for my cycle to come back. And I was like, I was freaking out. I, I was like, this isn't normal. I was, I'm so grateful that I was only on it for two months, but yes, that, that episode, I'm going to link in the show notes pages. (laughs) The dangers of, yeah. um, There's a woman, a fellow Canadian. She wrote a book called the dangers of depo. Mm. So her experience is very negative. Like yes. she had a very, very negative experience on, on Depo. But I think it's important for her to be, like she is a, a woman and she had an experience and I think it's important to share it because she's not alone. Mm. Right. Um, and even if you don't have an experience that's as severe, statistically speaking, mm-hmm. <laughs> according to that study, um, 16 months was the average. <laughs> wow. um, the average that it took these women to conceive. 
Um, and then if you, if you go into like fertility awareness, you know, educated, like when, cause what I see is I see the, I've seen thousands of charts. Like, and when I say chart, I mean like the record of women's menstrual cycles. I've seen yes. thousands of them. And so you can see there's a very clear difference between what happens when a woman comes off of hormonal birth control. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't come off of the pill and get pregnant right away. Like, it doesn't mean that. Some right, people right, come right. off the pill and they get pregnant. Like, we all know this. Yes. But we're talking about statistically. And, right. and what I, I think it's the same thing as buying insurance. Like, I don't think anything's going to happen in my house, but I still get insurance because you just want to be like, I, I'd like to, if you want to avoid, so for me, I'm, I'm always kind of wanting to avoid additional procedures. Like I don't really like the idea of surgery. If I needed it, fine, but I'm not going to like, I'm going to try to do everything I can ahead of time to like Absolutely. avoid that option. Right. So if I'm trying to like avoid IVF, for example, like if I need it, I'm so happy and fortunate to live in a time that it is there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still going to try to stack the odds in my favor. So knowing when I know about hormonal birth control, I know that there's a temporary delay. There's the research does not support that the pill prevents people from getting pregnant. There are some women who come off of hormonal birth control and don't get their periods back four years. So that is a, a real thing. And some women experience that. But what the research shows is that if you had issues pr- beforehand, so for instance, like if you were put on the pill because you never got your period, or because your period only came four times a year, or because you had ovulatory issues, you're more likely to have that type of reaction. I I just had a question as far as uh, just from a a nutritional perspective, like um, have you seen that there's um, some things that uh, women can do on a positive side and a negative side to, um, you know, have a a major impact on fertility? Well, absolutely. I mean, they're, there's a lot of the the great thing about living in the time we live in is that there is a lot of research. I think it's, I think it's really fascinating because we can have, um, you can actually look to see what works and, and what doesn't work. Um, and so th- what a woman needs to have healthy menstrual cycles, I mean, there's a lot of nutrients that we require. What I always say to my clients, especially my clients that are trying to conceive uh, is that, we don't really think about how critical a time it is, like the time in your life when you're having babies. So having a baby, that is the time of your life when you will require the most nutrition that you ever will. So for those years when you are pregnant and or breastfeeding, your nutritional requirements for those years are extremely high. And it won't come as a surprise that the same nutrients that you require to to make a healthy baby and to, to keep yourself healthy during that time are the same nutrients that you need for an optimal um, optimal menstrual cycle and, and healthy fertility. Mm. Um, and so basically what we need are nutrients that are going to support hormone production. <laughs> um, we need to ensure that you have a healthy gut so that you can actually digest and, and absorb the nutrients that you're consuming. And um, what it, I mean, it's, it's the, the in order to produce hormones, in order to optimize your fertility, in order to um, ensure that you have healthy ovulatory function. I mean, um, we're looking at uh, animal fats. And I think that's, uh, it's, it's really interesting because the hormones that we need for a healthy menstrual cycle, you know, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, all of those uh, steroid, are steroid hormones. And uh, in order to produce steroid hormones, um, the precursor to all steroid hormones is cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and cholesterol only comes from animal foods. And so it's not to say we can't make cholesterol. Our liver can make cholesterol, but our liver does everything. Our liver is constantly filtering our blood. It's storing nutrients, like it's doing all kinds of stuff. And so um, 
if you're not consuming the raw materials that you require to make the hormones, then you're putting an additional burden on your liver to do that. Um, in addition to that, there's a lot of different key nutrients that play an important role in fertility. Um, and I mean, I could, I could go on about it, but I would say that if you're, if you're really interested in terms of the diet that you would require, um, what nutrients that you would need, uh, I look at it from an ancestral perspective because there's a lot of research to support that. So um, I'm really inspired by the work of Dr. Weston Price. Um, and what he did was he explored the world and looked into the diets of traditional cultures. And he was inspired because he noticed that in the industrialized world, um, you know, all of all the people, a lot of the people in the industrialized world had like crowded teeth, like in cavities and all this stuff. Whereas he'd go into the middle of nowhere into a traditional culture that's quote unquote primitive as, as that's how we talk about it. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yet still they would have like, they're, they're not even brushing their teeth and they would have like perfect teeth, no cavities, um, great bone structure, and they wouldn't have fertility issues. And so he found a few things that were really interesting. And I think the most interesting and fascinating thing about that is that many of these traditional cultures had specific diets that they would feed to the men and women um, before they were married, before they were having children, those types of things. And it was very important that they would, you know, important enough that they would feed these diets six months before um, they were conceiving and the types of foods that they were consuming were, you know, organ meats, um, liver and organ meats. They were consuming, you know, fish eggs, different, um, there was just specific foods that were key to fertility. And if you look at the research, uh, you can see how critical a role that those, the nutrients in those foods play in fertility. So vitamin A, for, for instance, like vitamin A that comes from animals. So not the same vitamin A that you, we get from carrots, but the vitamin A that we would get from liver or cod liver oil. Um, there's research that shows that if you were to deprive an animal of vitamin A, it loses its ability to reproduce. Yes. <laughs> like the, the 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 rat like there was this rat study I was looking at and they they stopped they didn't they no longer had the ability to produce sperm and then when they put the vitamin A back then they were able to produce sperm well, again it was like yeah, I actually switch. saw it. I was looking at it. I was looking at that it was mind blowing to uh to 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 see that um <laughs> yeah I, I think I, I think they uh didn't they like eat each other's and that's they ate each other's eyes out or something like that just to to you know try to wow. to to get the, the 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 vitamin A that that they needed was that the were you were you reading the same thing? Well, we may have been looking at a different study. Okay, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that study. <laughs> like the rat catabolism. But um, what was interesting is that in in the studies that I was looking at, like. It's, it's very clear that when they deprive these animals of vitamin A, like what happens if you take a rat and you deprive it of vitamin A is it becomes blind because retinol, retina, like we need it to see. Yes. It becomes blind and infertile, um, essentially. And, and you, can, you can do that. Like you can reliably create that result by depriving them of retinol. So um, that's just one example of the foods that we need that are critical to fertility. And I think uh, for a lot of women, we are living in a time where we've been, we grew up hearing that we, you know, eating fat is bad and it's going to make right. us bad and all that stuff. And it turns out that not only is the fat critical for our hormone production, but it also contains important nutrients that we require in order to have healthy fertility, healthy menstrual cycles. So a big part of the nutrition, um, you know, is just having a, a good understanding of what nutrients that we do need to have a healthy menstrual cycle um, and starting there. And it, it really comes down to 
um, whole foods, not processed foods, but it does include um, the research supports the, the incorporation of animal fats, um, organ meats, and, you know, fish. Probably get, uh, and then for vegetarians and vegans, it's a little bit more challenging, but um, for vegetarians, uh, eggs and dairy products, if you're able to consume those, become really important foods because they contain a lot of key nutrients that we need for fertility. So it's a pretty big conversation, to be honest with you. Yeah, I know it is. Uh, but I, I do think it's important, at least just to give an overview so that, you know, people can make that that um, connection that what you put in your body is going to have an effect on not just your health, but your fertility overall. And uh, we actually did a, a three-part episode on on fats in general just because they're so villainized. And we're really just seeing the connection between uh, you know, certain nutrients, fertility and fats. So, you know, right now it's just such a, a huge trend with, uh, you know, veganism and things like that. Um, do you, do you think that, um, from a, a fertility perspective that, um, that's going to or could possibly get a lot of, uh, women in trouble when it comes to, um, you know, fertility and reproduction? Well, you know, what makes my, my kind of position a little bit differently is that for me, it comes back to what we're seeing in your menstrual cycle. (laughs) The menstrual cycle doesn't lie. So, um, you know, if, if there was, if I was working with a client and, um, you know, she doesn't incorporate any animal products at all and her menstrual cycle is, is completely healthy. She doesn't have any issues or challenges or anything. We've done a full nutrient panel. She, she does not have any nutrient deficiencies. She does not have any symptoms at all. Um, basically like health issues, then, you know, great. But in my experience, when I'm working with clients who, you know, have restricted their animal consumption or are not eating, and even, even clients who do eat, um, who do eat animals, but perhaps Mm. have not optimized their diet. So, you know, potentially still eating lots of processed foods and not really getting the nutrition, like, you know, a calorie is not a calorie. (laughs) Uh, it, It really depends. So basically what I'm saying to you is that, you know, what the research shows is that it is not optimal to completely avoid all animal foods. And um, when, for me, we can look at the menstrual cycle. A lot of women transfer themselves to uh, a, a diet that's devoid of animal products. And some women lose their periods. Now, a lot all, not all women do, but some women do. And so if you find, like, you have to look at your menstrual cycle. Your menstrual cycle is the fifth vital sign of your health and your fertility. And so um, your menstrual cycle is going to give you the answer to that question. I can't, you know, every woman is different. Some women may do well on that type of a diet, but if right. you're, um, but if you're wanting to optimize your fertility, uh, the first step is to really start charting, you know, chart your menstrual cycles, start to take a look. How long is your cycle? When is ovulation happening? How many days of mucus do you see? How long is your uh, post ovulatory phase? Like how many days after you ovulate till your next period and really look at those factors. How much bleeding are you having? And that's, that's where we start. Um, if you're finding that your parameters are off, uh, there are issues that are coming up, your cycle is not falling in the normal parameters, then yeah, we have to look at the diet and see if we can optimize it for fertility. And sometimes uh, that would mean incorporating animal foods right. if you're right. open to that. Got you. Well, <clears throat> we really appreciate it. I mean, you've yes. shared so A much wealth information. Of information. Yeah. And, I, and I know that it's really going to, uh, you know, make a lot of uh, women and men just aware of, of so many things that they had no idea a- about. So we really, really thank you for for coming on and sharing this information and letting us interview you. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure talking with the two of you. I feel like we're old friends. Like, (laughs) 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 if we were in the same city, it'd be so nice to hang out and have some. Yeah, (laughs) well, I tell you, we definitely want to to come to Canada. So when when we're ready, we're going to reach out and uh, we definitely got to connect. Well, I'm here. I'm in Toronto. So yes. So. So, uh, you know, I know that this is going to spark a lot of women to to really want to to work with you, follow you, look at your work. Um, how can people uh, work with you? What type of services do you offer? Um, well, first of all, you know, if this is all new to you and your head just exploded a little bit, that's normal. <laughs> um, so I've, I've been I have a whole podcast on this on the topic of fertility awareness and fertility and um, diet and health. And so for any of you listening um, the podcast, you can find it anywhere. Just search for Fertility Friday. Um, it's an Apple podcast all over the place. And then my website is fertilityfriday.com. So I'm a fertility awareness educator and I work with women uh, on a one-on-one basis, I also do um, group programs or actually bring women together based on their, you know, how they want to use methods. So I bring groups of women together who are wanting to learn fertility awareness for birth control or for conception. And it's it's like a class. So we really go deep and it's a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, if you are interested in that, you can always go to fertilityfriday.com slash work with me. But um, for those of you who this is all new and you're just kind of wanting to know where to start, what, what resources to, <laughs> to, you know, like where, what are the books? Like, where do I start? I created a free video series. And so if you head over to fertilityfriday.com slash fam 101, so FAM 101, uh, then you'll find, you'll get gain access to my free video series. I feel like that's a nice, a nice gentle introduction to this crazy world of fertility awareness. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll make sure to link those in the show notes pages as well. Thank you. Right. And how can people follow you via social media? Oh, social media. So um, I'm, well, Fertility Friday, you look for the pomegranate. Um, on Twitter, it's, I'm at Fertile Friday. Fertility Friday was taken, so I'm at Fertile Friday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm Canadian, so I say Fertile. Um, <laughs> and uh, on Facebook, I am if you go to facebook.com slash fertility Fridays with an S again, it was taken. So I had to improvise. And then on Instagram, I think I got fertility Friday on Instagram. Nice. Okay. And if people want to actually, you know, contact you directly, uh, is that, is that information on there or do you have a place to send them? Yeah. So you can go to my website, fertilityfriday.com and you can click on the contact me button and then you can, you can email me there. Nice. Thank you so much. And and final question that we ask uh, all of our guests in in relation to their field, if it was one thing uh, that you could recommend uh, to a woman that would have the biggest impact on on her health, what would that be? Oh, that's a big question. It's only one thing, though. <laughs> I know. I'm, 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 I'm trying to choose wisely. I would say learn about your menstrual cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, you know, learn about your menstrual cycles. Start paying attention to what's happening. Start charting. Uh, it, it seems like it, it can seem like a small thing, but it opens up a whole different world. I, I always say, like, women come for birth control. <laughs> they come to fertility. They I want birth control. I want to be natural. But they leave with empowerment. They leave with a much deeper sense of the connection between their menstrual cycle, their bodies, and their health, and a much deeper uh, understanding of what it means to be a woman in this world because you're able to connect with that energy. So it's like the gateway drug. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So start there. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, sharing this powerful information. I know it's going to help so many women at least have the first having an awareness of the Fertility Wellness Month method and what it could do for their health and well-being um, and for their fertility. So thank you so much. Well, thank you again. It was my pleasure. So that is the conclusion of our interview with Lisa Hendricks and Jack. This is part three of a three-part series of the interview that we have with Lisa. So to access the show notes pages for this episode, just go to lifestrengthandhealth.com forward slash eight two to access the show notes pages. And in there, it will list Lisa's contact information, her social media information. Uh, I will link that episode that she had on the dangers of the Depro Provera shot, which was a very good episode, um, information about her podcast and so much more. Once again, thank you, Lisa, for coming onto the show. We've received tremendous feedback from our listeners. So thank you once again for coming on to the show and uh, spreading the word about fertility awareness, the fertility awareness method. And before we go, uh, we just want to let you know that this podcast episode was sponsored by healthwarrior.co. Healthwarrior.co is our private health community geared towards helping you to live a more natural and holistic lifestyle with the education, training, guidance, and support that our members receive. To learn more about our membership or to join our private health community, just go to healthwarrior.co. And once again, thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate you. Until next time, live healthier. We want to say thank you for listening to the show and for access to the show notes pages, more podcast episodes, blog content, as well as more information about our center, Life, Strength, and Health, then just visit us at lifestrengthandhealth.com. Until next time, live healthier.